Curiosity is a production of WDET in Detroit. Visit us at WDET.org slash curious. I'm Quinn Kleinfelter, and this is Curiosity, where WDET finds the answers to your questions about everything Detroit. I'm standing near the Ambassador Bridge. About one quarter of all the trade between Canada and the U.S. passes over this privately owned bridge, and that led listener Evan Feckety to ask a question. I just wanted to know how the International Ambassador Bridge became privately held. It just seemed that like two sovereign countries should uh, be in charge of uh, international crossing and a really large international crossing. That's a concern heard since just after the end of the U.S. Civil War, when railroads wanted to find something other than ferry boats to move trade goods across the Detroit River. It took until the roaring 1920s for entrepreneurs John Austin and Joseph Bauer to begin building the bridge at a cost of about $23.5 million. And the Detroit Historical Society's Joel Stone says just who should own the bridge was already an issue, especially for the city's mayor, Johnny Smith. There was a political pull between uh, John Lodge, who was the head of the Common Council, and Smith was the mayor. And Smith really thought that it ought to be a public bridge. Lodge thought the other way, and they were able to kind of fight it through and clear the way for the bridge builders to actually get in there, the Bauer family. Lodge defeated Smith in the 1927 mayoral primary. Stone says allowing a private company to build the bridge was not met with universal applause. There has always been opposition on both sides of the border uh, to this. The Canadians have always had concerns that this was in private hands and they wanted to guarantee that the rights of their citizens were covered. When the ambassador opened in November 1929, it was the largest suspension bridge in the world. The Bauer family controlled the bridge until 1979, when businessman Matty Maroon bought it. He now earns an estimated $60 million a year from it. So it's not surprising Maroon fought to stop Michigan and Canada from developing a second nearby bridge crossing the Detroit River, now known as the Gordie Howe International Bridge. Maroon and another Ambassador Bridge Company official even went to jail briefly on contempt of court charges for failing to make good on pledges to finish access roads to the bridge. At that time, Windsor West Canadian Parliament member Brian Massey called it a bad omen for one of his nation's busiest trade routes. It's not often where the CEO and you know, the manager end up in prison. That's an extreme situation and something so important for our economies. Security concerns came to a head after the 9-11 terrorist attacks. U.S. officials feared the Ambassador Bridge could present a tempting target. Yet the U.S. Customs and Border Protection's Ken Hammond says combining public and private security forces has been pleasantly effective. I have not been met with any surprises over the years. Uh, We had a few incidents on the bridge. CBP officer involved shootings. We had had those, but we coordinated responses with Detroit police, fire, and EMS in conjunction with the bridge company. So it's a good working, cooperative relationship. So there's the answer, Evan Feckety. The Ambassador Bridge is in private hands because private entrepreneurs were the ones willing to pay to build it. Interesting, yeah. I guess if you beat them to the punch, like, they can just kind of call the shots. If you are interested in finding out who calls the shots on some topic or why, let us know at wdet.org slash curious. Thanks for listening. I'm Quinn Kleinfelter.